I'm 63 years old. And so I engage now in endurance cycling races. So I'm cycling across states. I'm going out there and cycling for 12 or 13 or 14 hours. And what I'm trying to learn from a personal development standpoint is not to give up, to keep going. Uh, and I think that actually helps you a lot in small business. In small business, you got to understand when to keep going and when to give up. When to hold them, mm. when to fold great, them. Great. There's a great quote that says, mm. if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you have to do is stop digging. Today we have with us Barry Maltz. Barry is a small business expert and M&A advisor. Welcome to our show, Barry. Thanks, Shade. Glad to have you here. I'm curious, how many businesses have you launched and scaled over the years? I've done four, mm -hmm. but really after I did the third one and I sold it, my wife said, no more scaling businesses. I've just had enough. Too many ups and downs, too many ins and outs. So after I sold my last business, I did an angel investment group. And now I'm pretty much working on my own with two or three other people. So no more scaling if I want to stay married to her. <laughs> Good decision. Navigating through those ups and downs, can you share a moment where you ventured into completely uncharted territory in business? And then what key lessons did you learn from it? Sure. So in my second business, I met my two partners in the classified section of the Chicago Tribune. Now, this is when there used to be printed newspapers. There used to be classified sections. And so I learned there that it might be good to find a boat or an apartment or a house in the classified section, but you probably shouldn't find your business partners, people you know nothing about. Um, that lasted for about a year. And then they fired me and I sold my stock, which was good because a year later they went out of business. And not that I'm celebrating that, but I was happy about that. And what I really learned was that people, business is really about people. And you can really like the idea, you can groove on it, but if you're not grooving on the people, then you're really not going to get anywhere. So that was a very unique way to find a partner though. Was not, that not back? Uh, Remember, this is, yeah. this is probably the mid 90s, so it's not that unique, okay. right? Okay, okay. You like to talk about bouncing back from failure. Could you share a personal yeah. story of a setback that seemed insurmountable at the time and how you turned it around? What kind of mind shift you had for that? Yeah, going back to the same story, I had invested $50,000 with these guys when I joined them, and that was basically all of our savings and our wedding money. So my wife wasn't really pleased that I had done that. And after I was able to get the $50,000 back, what I learned was I don't care what I'm going to be doing in my next business. I want to be doing with someone that I can really trust. And I ended up going to business with the husband of a woman that I actually knew in college. And the idea was that we were going to sell scientific software through a mail order catalog and over the web. We have to remember, this is the mid-90s, there's no internet. Um, basically, people are selling software through just word of mouth and maybe Egghead and a couple other places. And so we started a catalog where you get math and 
and science and engineering software through a catalog and eventually over the internet. And I realized again, what being successful in business was about, it was about the people, not about the idea, because it's all about the execution of the idea. So it goes back to the people. Mm. Innovation is key in today's business world. From your unique perspective, what are the underappreciated areas where entrepreneurs can innovate beyond just product development? My answer to that always is, Shahid, is I have absolutely no idea because it's not about the idea. The question is, where can you execute better? People only buy when they're in pain and have money to solve the pain. So you got to think about what pain are you going to solve and what money and who has the money to solve that pain? I always look at execution. I don't necessarily look at the idea. Um, I also don't think that first mover advantage, unless you have a lot of money, it's really an advantage. Well, what kind of key points can you share about execution then? So I, I think the, the critical thing is you've got to get very started very early on. You've got to find the people at the pain that you solve. Try to get real paying customers early on. It's great to give away your product or service, but you don't really know if it works until you charge people who you don't know to use your product and to see if they use that product over a long period of time. Retaining your customers is also another key milestone. And the final thing is, what kind of gross profit can you make from delivering your product or service? In most businesses, if you want to make a lot of money, it's got to be over 50%. So those are some key milestones. So do you recommend doing some sort of a survey or some type of consumer group before launching? You can. I believe that in surveys, people lie. Right, Not intentionally, mm. but they're going to tell you what they think because they want to make you feel happy. It's very different when people will actually part with their money. That gets you very different results. So I think you got to go out there. You got to find the people that really have the pain and the money. See if you can sell it to them. And then you sell it to other people because surveys, I don't think, really tell you anything. The people that answer surveys are the people that are really positive and the people that are really negative. Yes, yeah, either or. Right. So for you in the small business world, many individuals that own small businesses that had struggle with growing the business or scaling mm -hmm. it, is there any kind of recommendations or pointers that you can share today that can help someone in that situation? Sure. There's two things that really prevent people from scaling the business. The first one is they don't have the money. They don't have the cash flow. So it's very important to figure out not only what your profit and loss is for the month, now with your balance sheet, but look at your cash flow statement. Are you generating cash or are you eating cash? Growing your business always involves eating cash. You're going to need more cash for inventory or to hire people or whatever it is. The second thing is many small business owners, when they get started, they're the only person in the business. And then they hire a couple people and everyone's working for them. There's no hierarchical system or they're making all the important decisions in the business. If you're going to have a business instead of a job, as Carol Roth says, then what you really need to do is you need to hire people that are going to do work for you and make money off of those people. If you're not willing to give up control at any given point in time, you're never going to be able to leverage them and make a lot of money. 
So they could also go to the bank or get some funding. You're borrowing money, so you have to think about, A, once you borrow money, why are you borrowing the money? Are you borrowing the money to cover losses or are you borrowing the money in order to make an investment which sales could come from? The second thing is when you borrow money, and I learned this a long time ago from the bank that I borrowed from, you got to know how the heck are you going to pay it back within the terms because it's very easy to go sideways. And many do, because when desperation comes, sometimes we look the other way. But you had a really good point there that is very important to make that decision with a clear head in some days. So what is one common misconception about entrepreneurship that you feel we could debunk today? Sure. Um, Sure. I think that the first one is that you're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. You're going to be the next Jeff Bezos. You're going to be the next Elon Musk. Guess what? You're not going to be. That's one in a billion. Another, another myth to debunk is that starting a business is a get-rich-quick scheme. It is a way to build wealth, but it's not usually a way to build wealth quickly. Most overnight successes, financial overnight successes in business, take eight to 10 years. Okay, those are great points. And for you, was that the average that you were looking at when you were launching your businesses, eight to 10 years? Uh, no, I was a very impatient American, right? I want to basically write a business plan, give it to someone, then give me all sorts of money for my idea. That's just not the mm. way it happens. I had set my sights at five or six years and we were able to achieve that. But that was only because it was 1999, the internet bubble, and things were moving pretty fast if you're online. Again, these mm. days, most of the businesses, as a licensed business broker, most of the businesses I'm selling, those people have been in business for eight to 10 to 12 years. Mm. So can you speak about some of these businesses that you have for people to invest in and give us some pointers why it's better to purchase a business than to launch a business? Well, it depends. I'm a business broker, so I sell businesses or I look for businesses for other business owners. Again, you always have to make the decision. Do you want to build versus buy a business? Building a business will take much longer, but buying a business you'll get the business, a pro- probably a profitable business right then. But remember, you've got to make money. You've got to make the money back that you actually paid for the business. Most services businesses are going to sell for anywhere between two and four times the cash that they're generating. So you got to think about how long will it actually take you to make back the money that you spent purchasing the business versus if you took that same cash and started from scratch. Some people are builders. And they start from scratch and some people are growers. They like to buy something and then build it from there. Hmm, But do you have some stats on that comparable to um, building something? I I don't. I think it's very individual. I think it's very individualistic, right? There's Hmm. again, I think you got to ask yourself, are you a founder or are you a grower? Some people don't like to start Hmm. things from scratch and other people once it gets to about five or 10 million, they are done. They want to sell it. Hey. What's your top industry that you work with? I work a lot with technology. Anything that has to do mm-hmm. with technology, that's in education and AI, those types of things. 
But I've also sold a lot of businesses, what I call Main Street businesses. And these would be duplication businesses. These are schools. These are HVAC businesses, mm. electrical contracting businesses, the whole set of them. Are you already trading in AI? I'm not trading in AI, but we're selling businesses that have AI technology you know what I mean. and have customers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, AI technology, you already yeah. trading? Yeah, there's all, yeah, there's all sorts of businesses that are creating AI technology. They're helping various mm. industries, building models for them. They've been very successful. Mm. Okay. Uh, one of the businesses we walk? just sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just saying, one of the businesses we just sold was a company called Crowd AI, and they would analyze imagery for the Defense Department, and we sold that to Saab. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on. Hmm. So could you walk us through your process or framework for making high stake decisions, um, especially in scenarios where the path isn't that clear? Yeah, I try not to make high stake decisions. I try to take mm -hmm. iterative patient steps because I really believe that you want to do small failures and small successes rather than take these giant risks and these giant leaps because if you take a very small step and it's the wrong step or you fail, at least you have a chance of readjusting and taking another small step to eventually get to where you want to go. By taking giant leaps and big risks, sure, it may pay off, but also it could put you in the gutter and out of business. I like the way that you're very real about business because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. No, pup puppies and rainbows, right? <laughs> so looking ahead, what are some of the emerging trends you believe entrepreneurs should be preparing for? Again, I think that you have to embrace AI. You've got to think about how mm -hmm. it, what what tool it what tools in AI can actually make your job easier. So for example, if you want to write a job description, AI can do that for you. If you want to write a social media post, AI can do that for you. If you want to write content for your content marketing, AI can do that for you. And I think eventually we're going to get to the point where there's going to be personal AIs for different parts of your business. So again, I don't think it's going to displace your business. It's just going to be another tool that you can use. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it's a pretty incredible tool. And it's only going to advance further. Your point about having the ability to look at those areas where AI can make whatever you're doing now better that might be something to keep an eye on. So how does personal growth intersect with business success? You're a pretty multi, good multitasker as well. You're typing and talking to me. Well, That's I was, incredible. I was, I was looking up, I was trying to look up the name of the actress who, I don't know if you remember, it was a, fact, I'm going to look that up right now. It was a movie called She. It was about, yeah, it was about, let me just look, see who the thing was, who that thing was. Oh, and I'm sorry. It wasn't she. It was called Her. It was the movie with Scarlett Johansson where she is a personal AI for this business guy. Mm -hmm. And he eventually forms a relationship with her and he falls in love with her. And so I think all of us would like Scarlett Johansson to be there, their personal AI, or at least the voice of the personal AI. But I think we will yeah. get to that. She was not only his personal AI, she was his personal operating system. So Everything. that's what I was looking at, Scarlett Johansson. You asked a yeah. question about passion. When it comes to, when it's to uh, small business, 
A lot of people go into business because they do it for the money, and that's not going to sustain you. You've got to do it for the passion. You've got to say mm. to yourself, I want to go out. I want to start my own business because I want to see my ideas succeed, and I'm willing to let my ideas fail. It's only that mm. passion that's really going to drive you to really, when, when things get really difficult, it's the only thing that's going to sustain you. Yeah, and connecting that passion to a purpose. Because when you marry right. the passion with a purpose, that's when it actually right. creates this pull to it, right? It pulls you. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, definitely it's a and, good and, point. And, so, and, and, hmm. and you got to know what mission you're on, right? Because hmm. when you have employees, your mission can't be making you more money, right? Your mission has got to be something else that they can really get attached to and they can get behind. Yeah, get everyone involved. So for personal growth, how do you see personal growth intersect with business success? Can you share how that is important and or whether it's not important in your point of view? I'd like to hear your thoughts. I think that if you're fortunate enough to be able to have a job where you can have passion behind it, that's the best of all possible worlds, right? When I was growing up, my mother told me that I would never fail, that I could do what I could achieve whatever I wanted to. And when I finally did fail, that was a real wake up call, right? And the question is, what do you do when you fail? Me, I have a pity party, I cheer the darkness, but within 24 hours, I try to let go and take an action and go do something else. So I try to reconnect when I fail with the passion of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I try not to mourn whatever happened or find out a reason why it happened for more than 24 hours. Mm, good. So do you work on personal development yourself? Sure. I, we're all working on personal development, right? We're always trying to be better at what we're doing. We're trying to do serve people better and contribute more to the people that we interact with. We're always trying to grow. So when more, we stop growing, we stop More learning. specifically. So more specifically, you know, what, personal what, what development, meaning yeah, on the so, mindset side. Yeah, so the way I, my personal development these days has to do with endurance, right? I'm 63 years old, and so I engage now in endurance cycling races. So I'm cycling across states. I'm going out there and cycling for 12 or 13 or 14 hours. And what I'm trying to learn from a personal development standpoint is not to give up, to keep going. Uh, and I think that actually helps you a lot in small business. In small business, you got to understand when to keep going and when to give up, when to hold them, mm. when to fold great, them. Great. There's a great quote that says, mm. if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you have to do is stop digging. Good, Barry. Thank you. Can you share what you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in life? <laughs> I think half not quitting and the other half is knowing when to quit. I think at first, I never quit. I would never give up. I always do endurance if I just keep going. And the other part is I now know when to quit, when it just doesn't work anymore, when you're banging your head against the wall and you got to take whatever you're doing in a different direction and do that. So I think that's really so the superpower. So like logical persistence. I don't know about logical. I know persistence is logical. I think a lot of persistence is really emotional, trying to get to the goal. But not giving up is a really great attribute, but also knowing when to quit is also a really great hmm. attribute. Were you in that kind of situation where you thought you were continuing to be persistent when you should have folded? 
Yeah, sure. I went out of business in my first business. I knew when to fold then. I knew when to get out of business with my second partners. It just doesn't work, right? If it's not working, you got to get out and you got to try something new. Something and so how different. much time do you usually give to know when it's not working? It really all depends. You can Sometimes you can give a week, sometimes you can give a year. It all depends on what kind of project. I think that Pretty people broad. do two different. Yeah, I think people do two different things. Some people give up too easily and some people are so pigheaded, they never give up and they should have given up six months ago. Great to have you, Barry. It was wonderful talking to you and trying to take some information from you and share to our audience. I appreciate your time. Uh, wishing you all the best. Continue to grow. Thanks. Continue to take those risks and be intelligently <laughs> persistent, if you like to say. And definitely keep in touch. Once we go live, yeah. we'll send the information. If you can help us promote it, that'll yeah. be great. Sure. And if you talk to Scarlett Johansson, right. you let me know. I will. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. Right. 